This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So um, the Army Hammer saga continues hmm. uh, with a woman who was dating Army Hammer and she who has a... now spoken out about um, his predilection for cannibalism. Right. Uh, speaking out about her sexual experiences with Army. Her name is Brittany Schmidt. She's a comedian and uh, says that she and uh, Army hooked up last fall. They had mutual friends. Um, in a sober living situation where that army was in, and that's uh, how they hooked up. Now, Brittany went on uh, Brittany Ferlin's uh, podcast. Brittany Ferlin is Tommy Lee's uh, wife. She has this podcast, and clearly she and uh, Brittany Schmidt are very good friends because they were laughing it up as they had a very um, <laughs> interesting conversation about Brittany's sexual encounters with army. I think it is... Really important to say off the bat that she is saying all of this with the um, the umbrella that it was all consensual. Um, there was nothing wrong that she said yeah, happened. She's not she accusing he, him he of anything. He was respectful the whole thing. So this is not trashing Army Hammer. Right. You know. Although and, and, I, I do wonder how he feels about her talking about it. I know. But I know. here's uh, what she had to say. The thing that was tricky about him was he was very open about everything. Anytime I had a question about anything about the cannibalism about all the stuff in the media, he was very willing to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And the way he explained it to me is he said it's a cycle of completion. So he's like, I'm inside of you. I want you to be inside of me. Did he say like he actually eat, eat people's like skin or like what did he say? No, he so he does this biting thing where it's like he will push it to the limit with biting. He will go as hard as you let him go with biting. Did he make you bleed? No, okay. because I wouldn't let him. It would get really hard and I'd be like, stop. And he would stop. So... In my experience, there was no, um, I was consensual with everything that was going on. And yeah. when I told him to stop, he would stop. So I didn't have the same experiences as, other girls. as the other girls. Right. Um, not negating any of their experiences or taking it away or saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying my experience was different. Hmm. Um, how do you view this? Because it's funny because on the, one, on, on the one hand, I'm thinking he does kind of she does kind of say, look, everything was consensual and everything else. But she's On the other opening... hand, it's awfully, it's very graphic. Yeah. And it makes you think that the experiences of some of the other women, some of the accusers, maybe is accurate. That maybe they didn't say stop. And then or, suddenly... Or, we don't know because he's... We don't know. He's we don't know. A, he denied it. Right. And B, remember, this the went DA. all the way to the DA and the DA rejected the case. And we knew that because we had talked to the police long before it even went to the DA. Right. And they, they said, I, this isn't going to get fired. Totally, I hear you and I, and I agree with all that. But my point is in listening to her it does make me think that there's a possibility of it going awry. I kind of agree with you, Charles. So obviously when all those accusations came out, you know, there was the leaked text message of the cannibalism. There was the girlfriends coming forward saying that they were branded by him and talked about kind of all the weird stuff. Harvey, you are right. The rape uh, allegations, obviously the most serious, went all the way to the DA and he wasn't charged. So he was cleared of all those charges. But it does make you think that, you know, all these weird stories that kind of didn't seem real, 
could yeah. be kind of true as but far as just the weird stuff he's into. I will caution you, Devin. You say weird, and that's just. That's, that's someone's your, kink. That's someone's what right. they're into. And Weird to you, but to other people it isn't. And she did yeah. talk about branding also. She said that uh, on their first date, the first night, um, he wanted to give her a tattoo. He had like a, an ink gun that he'd borrowed from somebody and uh, he gave her a brand, a, a tattoo. I don't, I don't know what it was. She held it up. They, they were two little hand. dots on matching? her. Yeah, two little dots on her hand that Army got matching ones. I mean, getting ta matching tattoos, in my opinion, is a little different than branding someone. So yes. I think it, it does line up again with another story that an ex had said. But I will say, like, obviously the cannibalism stuff, and she talked about the biting and stuff, it kind of makes it seem not as serious because she's kind of laughing about it. But in the entire episode of the podcast, she definitely doesn't think Army's a good guy. And again, this could just be a scorned situation where a woman, you know, he ghosted her at the end and is upset about how it ended. But she definitely doesn't think he's a good guy. Yeah. Did she, not a good that. guy, but not accusing him of doing anything untoward. Right. She says she was into whatever they were doing. Hi, my name is Carrie. I'm from New Jersey. I did find it surprising about how how open and casual Hammer apparently was in discussing his various kinks with Schmidt and how receptive she was toward it, especially with the branding. It's not my cup of tea, but you do you, girl. I know, the branding yeah. thing is, I, it just, I know. It's odd to hear this, right? That, yeah. It's odd when you hear people speak that openly about it. And, and she spoke openly about it, and apparently he did with her, so. Right. I do wonder what he thinks about the fact that she did the podcast. Right. I, I, I wonder the same but thing. they're clearly not, it wasn't like a great breakup, it sounds like. It sounds like. Uh, well, speaking of somebody where we thought there might have been a breakup, or they thought we thought there might have been a breakup, <laughs> uh, we're moving to that. Yes, uh, that would be Amy Rohrbach and uh, TJ Holmes. And I think there's good reason that people thought that maybe they had, uh, they had broken up. Remember their, their latest episode of their podcast, they got very raw about it and talking. You know, Amy came out and said, basically, I gave up my career for this relationship. And she got, she got choked up while she was saying it. So a lot of people were wondering when that podcast ended. Well, what, they got in an argument too. Yeah, and they had an argument in the middle of the podcast. So people thought when it was over, hey, are they still talking or what happened after the fact? So I guess this is sort of the after the podcast podcast. Uh, here's what Amy and TJ said. Hey folks, just wanted to check in and let you know that um, despite what you've been hearing, we are still together. <laughs> um, yeah, we're hearing from a lot of you all on our latest uh, episode of the podcast. It was something we really struggled and debated about whether or not we should even put out there, but at this point I'm glad we did. Yeah, I am too, because our, our larger goal in putting out our latest episode was to show that, yes, we like to put pictures of us smiling like everyone else and laughing on social media, but if we want to be real and we want to be transparent, we wanted to show all the sides uh, of us and, and I would say most relationships. I gotta say, I, I wanna say something. When, <laughs> when TJ Holmes starts by saying, despite what you're hearing, normally when you hear those words, it's what other people are saying about them. It's what they said about themselves, <laughs> despite what you're hearing that we said about us, right. we're not broken up. And it leads me to believe, and I think it's kind of smart in terms of just business, that they've orchestrated this thing, yes. that they wanted this out there with this kind of drama 
to gin up interest to the podcast. Absolutely. But there's also a lot of people online just in general not buying this whole like, oh, we're still together despite what you're reading and what you're hearing. Because a lot of people have already started countdown clocks as to how much longer they're going to be together now that we've seen like a little blip of them, like kind of sort of arguing. And there's a lot of people too saying like, oh, this was proof, like the thrill is finally over. Which, by the way, remember, their exes are still going strong. Like after all of this, their exes linked up and are now dating. However, they would not talk about them on the podcast, which I think is what people really wanted to hear about, right? Not so much their relationship. Want to hear that, but it makes sense that they're not gonna talk about it. I'm not sure what they want to hear, what what people listening want to hear, but I think they have engineered this thing. They want a little bit of a if it's all if if it's all kumbaya. It ain't gonna go anywhere. Need, so we gotta mix it up a little bit with trouble. You need some drama. But I love, despite what you're hearing. That's <laughs> awesome. Despite what you're hearing from us. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Hey, I'm Trey from Atlanta, Georgia. I think real grown people never thought they was breaking up. Only Gen Zers thought they was breaking up or put out things online about them breaking up. This is all orchestrated to get gear up things for the podcast. They know what they're doing. Yep. And like I always say, ABC messed up for firing them. This is good TV. This is good. This is good. They know what they're doing. Oh my God. Are you, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that ABC should have kept them and they should have just talked about their relationship on the show? No, no, they should have kept them and like gave us suspense. We would have been like, oh, are they together? They should have been flirty with each other. Ben, mm-hmm. ABC messed Moonlighting up. style. Uh, can I tell you, I once worked with an anchor team that did get together. And it, it was, was rocky. Not, and it was, it was pretty rocky. damn rocky. <laughs> Tina Knowles is learning a very harsh lesson uh, about social media. One that I'm really surprised she hadn't learned Can I quote Jim Croce? Please. You don't tug on Superman's cape, you don't spit into the wind, you don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger, and you don't mess around around with with Janet Jackson. Yes. Exactly. I'm I'm sorry that I approved you (laughs) quoting Mr. Croce. Uh, (laughs) But yes, uh, this does involve Janet Jackson and her upcoming tour. Uh, Tickets went on sale last week. And there were a lot of people who were having some sticker shock at the cost of the tickets. I mean, you just kind of expect it at this point. But there were people who posted about it, uh, and they there were some comments that said, like, who do you think you are, like Queen Bee? This particular post made the reference to Beyonce. And that's the post that Tina Knowles liked. And of course, fans noticed this immediately, and they thought, oh, so Tina does think that Janet is overcharging and that it's uh, not worth it and only Beyonce should charge prices like that. Nope. No. Nope. Uh, and by the way, Tina Knowles was actually trending uh, on Twitter because of this. Right. Uh, and she wanted to clear this up because it's clear she doesn't want any smoke with Janet Jackson or even the Jackson family for that matter. Here's what Tina had to say. I know better than anyone what a great production cost and that it's expensive. And I would never criticize another artist, let alone Janet Jackson, who is the queen of production, and um, her family. I mean, they're the first family of music, always have been and always will be, and I love and respect them. Uh, Secondly, I stay away from negativity. If you follow me, then you know that I am not involved in the mess. What I am guilty of is liking posts 
going through when I'm in a big hurry and I don't have time to really read and liking things because I trust that these are people that I follow. That was a big mistake. I will never do that again. So, that, that, so her point is that's nuts. because it was someone on her feed, she just went like, oh, like it, but like why, it. Like she's just liking why, every post. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Why, why? would you, why do would that? you like, do that? People you follow, oh, like you don't, something you without don't reading agree it. with everyone you follow. I mean, people let me you explain follow. social media to you guys for a hot second. Because uh, okay. I don't think you guys are scrolling okay. as much okay. as my young self Ex Explain is. why you so, do. So, oh, Instagram wow. nowadays has like... I heard. <laughs> Instagram nowadays has like sponsored and suggested posts that go in between people you actually follow. So they're actually sneaking in content so that people online can get more views. So this may not have been someone that Tina Knowles follows. It may have been from an account that is suggested for you because it's doing well, because it's going viral, uh -huh. because it's trending. So why are you liking it if you didn't read it? Because sometimes you're just scrolling and you're not really paying attention to what the caption says. You're just looking at people's photos. So like for here, for instance, I have Brendan, Charlie, you know, people who I look at their stuff most back to back in my feed so I'm just liking everyone's stuff to support them when they post something but Nikki you, even you should know that's dangerous yeah, Nikki what? let you us don't... teach you something about yeah, social media you. Charlie Neff <laughs> might post something that you disagree with you don't know what she posted it's crazy what she's saying yeah. and maybe you disagree with it doesn't mean that you don't like her you might why, you may love you her like and that. you agree with nine out of ten things but that tenth thing is a landmine right you know I just I, I don't know if I have enough time on this segment to explain to you guys oh, social Lord. media but oh. I don't agree with oh. that Hey, this is Stephanie Dolce, and I am from Nyack, New York. So we have Janet Jackson versus Tina Knowles. I'm a social media expert, and I own a social media company, and this happens time and time again. People scrolling, people liking things without reading. So she read a post that criticized her prices in her, of her upcoming tour, which I'm excited about. And she got a little in a pickle. Yeah, she got in a pickle so, for sure. boys and girls. <laughs> hey, um, real quick, did you, have you ever done Ancestry.com? No, I have not. My my cousin has, but I You haven't. should. Your name is Dolce? Could you be related? Um, well, we have tried to look if I'm related to Dolce. <laughs> yeah. I really feel that I am. You should check it out. Well, is, what, do you think she's going to walk into a store and say, give me every, I can get everything for free because I'm related? That's what I would do. I mean, check it out. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, we're going to move on. Your advice for Nikki was way better than your advice for her. <laughs> We're moving on. Yes, uh, to Taylor Swift and her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, and um, what was going on during the game. Uh, you may have seen after he scored a touchdown, um, he did the little heart thing, and everyone thought that was for Taylor. Turns out it wasn't. And also, what did Taylor think about his brother Jason's antics? We showed you, you saw all the videos of Jason shirtless, in the luxury suite. He actually upstaged Taylor. He co completely upstaged her. So what did Taylor think about it? Uh, we heard straight from Travis today. Here's his review of his shirtless brother and the uh, his day. day uh, by the way, first time he met Taylor. Right, the first time I he met I didn't know that. Yeah. So good first impression. I'm not gonna lie, I gave Kylie a heads up. I, the moment we got into the suite, I said, <laughs> I'm taking my shirt off and I'm jumping out of that suite. And she said, Jason. She said, Jason, don't you dare. Like, See, I'm thinking, just letting you know I'm happening. thinking it's like that, I'm not uh, asking for permission. I'm doing this. <laughs> and she was already telling me to be on my best behavior because we were meeting Taylor. So she's like, do not this is be hilarious. on your best behavior. I was like, Kylie, when I met you, the first day I met you, I was blacked out drunk and fell asleep at the bar. This is part of the charm. This is part of the Jason Kelsey charm. Oh, man. Well, Tay says she absolutely loved you. So anyway. <laughs> 
Tay says. Tay. Yeah. Well, that's what he Did calls you, her. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. He just when you thought you couldn't be any more sick at this. Tay. Uh, Tay says she absolutely <laughs> loves you. I don't want to rip my eyes out. Okay, uh, Babcock anyway. launch. I, 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 like, I, I like Jason. I, I like the whole thing of, look, I'm just going to be me. I appreciate that. Um, and how could you not but, like Jason Kelsey? I, I really feel like he is one of the most likable celebrities going right now. I mean, you cannot dislike this guy. He's just such a likable but guy. But you also understand his wife's sort of hesitation that maybe he should yeah, pull it well, back a little probably, bit because yeah. she's probably mortified. She's she's trying to make a good impression on Taylor right. also. Can I just and say thinks that this is reflecting on her. This guy was going to be huge post football anyway. This just upped his price because he is a personality. He is going to make a fortune. This whole podcast is engineered now for the two of them post football. Yep. Taylor Swift is helping them with that. Oh, They're that leaning so into true. it, and I'm, I'm assuming Taylor Swift totally approves this message. Yeah, <laughs> right. One hundred percent. Right. One hundred percent. I think. I think Ed, Edward was saying earlier there was like two hundred thousand people that were just watching their uh, podcast live. That's I mean, that's crazy. That's nuts. They were popular before because they were great football players, but they're so much bigger now. They are. They're global. They're international celebrities now. Yeah. And yeah, I think Jason could possibly make more money retiring than actually playing football. I next know. Year. I think you're right. I think you're right. Hi, my name is Darian Slater from Arlington, Virginia. And with the whole situation, I am disgusted and sick to my stomach. We need Lamar Jackson to put an end to all of this, at least for one offseason. I am, I've had enough. I've had enough. I wish I was blind every time they mentioned Taylor Swift, um, Jason Kelsey, or Brittany Mahomes. I have had enough of it. Lamar Jackson, you need to put an end to this right away this weekend. I've had enough. I've had enough. Well, had Lamar enough. Jackson now has to... Let, let, let me just say. You want to upset him one more time? Well, I'm sorry for telling you, but if they, if, if the Chiefs end up in the Super Bowl, can you imagine what that's going to look like with Taylor and, and Brittany and everybody else? I mean. That's why he wants Lamar Jackson. Uh, I it. get it. I don't want to upset you a little bit more, but last night Taylor Swift was out with Brittany Mahomes. Oh, right. Uh, Who flew in, with him on the private jet. Flew private private private. on the private jet. They went to New York City and they went to Nobu and the whole thing. So, sorry. I know you didn't want to hear about now they've even again. jacked the Beatles. It's yeah. it's like um, when they're and walking. Cara Delevingne the is with them as well, and yeah. Which one's Paul? <laughs> well, the absolute anger and disgust <laughs> at the Motion Picture Academy was amped up today by none other than Hillary Clinton. This is we're talking about the everyone is so upset about well, but what, what they perceive this as is, this they, is about democracy, right? Uh, in a way, yes, it's, it's <laughs> democracy adjacent. Uh, we're talking about the snub of <laughs> the perceived snub of the women of Barbie. That would be the executive producer and star Margot Robbie and director and writer Greta Gerwig, who were not nominated for best director or best actress. So Hillary uh, tweeted this morning, said Greta and Margot, while it can sting to win the box office but not take home the gold, your millions of fans love you. You're both so much more than Knuff, which is a reference to the movie. <laughs> I don't get the hashtag Hillary Barbie. Oh, I guess she's making herself into she's a, a Barbie. Fan. She's a fan. Right. So, so look, here's the thing. There are people now saying that the reason Margot Robbie and Greta did not get nominated has to do with the patriarchy, which is a whole theme which about the, theme Barbie. the movie. That's so we want to get into this with somebody who knows their stuff. Yes, definitely, who uh, covers all... 
all of these uh, topics for Variety. Clayton Davis, you've probably seen him on some of the uh, Oscar pre-shows, and he is joining us right now. Clayton, welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Clayton. I'm so glad to be with you both on this very dark day. In <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, where, so, where's my black ribbon? So, look, I, I, we just want to hear from you on this. I mean, Barbie was nominated as, for Best, Best Picture. Picture. So we and know, Greta was nominated. And America Ferreira got nominated. So another woman was nominated in the movie. A lot of people are saying this is just more evidence of the patriarchy. What say you? So, listen, two things could be correct at the same time. That Barbie was facing up a battle, I don't think necessarily tied to patriarchy, which is always part of the discussion, but also just genre bias. It was still a comedy at the end of the day. Comedies always get passed over at the Academy Awards. The thing about it is what has really interested me is the online discourse that has made the choice to villainize Justine Trier, who's the only woman that got nominated for directing. She directed Anatomy of a Fall. And even some going to shame America Ferreira for her supporting actress bid for, for, for Barbie because she has the standout moment in the film. So how do you nominate her and not uh, Margot Robbie? By the way, Margot Robbie nominated as a producer in Best Picture. Greta Gerwig nominated as a writer in Adaptive adapt. Screenplay. Both theoretically could still walk away with Oscars. So it's the, I, I, I find the argument that it's tied to box office to be false. It's it's a deeper issue that, that exists within Hollywood. So I guess, would we be even having this conversation if um, if Ryan Gosling was not nominated? Because exactly. I think that's what really exactly. stood out to people that, wow, they nominated the guy who played Ken, but they don't nominate the woman who played Barbie, which that seemed to play right into the plot of the movie. Yeah, pe people tend to forget how competitive uh, individual races tend to be, and then how voting actually happens within the Academy Awards. Actors vote on actors. So they're responsible, the acting branch, for snubbing Margot Robbie, which was embedded in a category that included Lily Gladstone, Emma Stone, Sandra Hewler. Like, it was a very competitive race. It was a race. tough year. Yeah. It was a tough year. And then you have supporting actor Ryan Gosling sitting there next to De Niro Downey Jr. He was able to coast on through when Mark Ruffalo, who's been nominated four times, was having trouble getting in. And then America Ferreira was part of a category that wasn't uh, particularly uh, competitive because Dave I enjoy Randolph from The Holdovers is going to run away probably with that category. The director's branch votes on directing. If anyone remembers, 11 yeah. years ago, Ben Affleck got snubbed for Argo. Bradley Cooper got snubbed for A Star is Born. That branch always tends to make actors turn directors wait a little bit before embracing. But I don't know how much of it is warranted in the way Accurate. that it's so, really so so Let me ask you thing. I've wondered about this. I'm just going to be really honest. Um, I thought it was kind of a fun movie, Barbie, but uh, it wasn't my thing. And But uh, apparently I'm in the minority here because this movie did so incredibly well. Did it get nominated in part, in large part, in no part, because it was such a hit, or is this just a legit great movie? What you described is what I heard a lot of. I talk to Oscar voters all the time, and I and I compare it to when Trump was running in 2016. That people, I uh, Jake Tapper, I think said this. Like he got a lot of leaners, and what that meant was you would ask them who are you voting for, and they would lean in and be like, "I'm voting for Trump." So when it came to Barbie and I asked people, did you love Barbie? They would lean into me and be like, 
Like if those okay, yeah, <laughs> great. There's a lot, and there, but people won't say that publicly because you can't, right? Media right. You can't, form. right, right. And and the truth always reveals itself. People have to look out for that. So chances uh, on Oscar night that Margot Robbie uh, and or Greta end up on stage accepting Oscars. I think Greta Gerwig has a very good chance of, of winning adapted screenplay because I think this whole. Uh, backlash is going to help her. I think people are going to want to give her something. So I think she probably stands a much better chance than Margot Robbie in Best Picture, right. given that it's an Oppenheimer year. We That's love having you on. Good insight, man. Um, uh, the day after the Oscars, would you come back on TMZ Live and talk about it? Of course. It? Were you guys? Love Absolutely. It. Excellent. This was great. Thank Looking you. forward to it, man. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate All right, it. Okay, we're taking a break. All right, when we come back, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle at a movie premiere. Not a big deal. Normally, they are in show business, but this one, they flew, oh, I don't know, five to seven hours to Jamaica to the premiere of a movie they have nothing to do with. Why were they at the One Love premiere hanging with the Prime Minister of Jamaica? Hmm, mm, this may be a case of two birds with one stone. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to TMZ Live. A proud, proud moment last night uh, for the island of Jamaica, my home country, um, my home country of my parents. And they had a big, huge Hollywood premiere in Jamaica last night for One Love, the Bob Marley uh, biopic that comes out on February 14th. And uh, we knew the premiere was going to be there. Um, obviously, the stars of the film were there. Um, but there were some other dignitaries that we did not expect to be there. In film. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they are in film, you're right. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Now, huh, right? this is not huh. like, we've seen them at Hollywood events where they just drive down the coast from Montecito to But they flew Hollywood. to Jamaica. They flew all the way to Kingston for this, and everyone was wondering why. Um, they obviously, like you said, they're in show business, but they have no connection to this movie. Right. Other than, I guess, the tenuous connection is that Prince Harry being a member of the royal family and Jamaica being a part of the British Commonwealth, but he's well, not a part of the royal, not a working royal anymore. Which so. then leads us to this picture. Uh, yes, standing with, uh, with the prime minister. Uh, I, I don't know. I, look, <laughs> standing with the prime minister of Jamaica. Now, the backdrop here, if you don't know, Jamaica has said that they uh, intend to become an independent republic, um, to get out from under the crown. And guess who else got out from under the crown? So maybe, the people who flew to Jamaica. Right, so maybe that's uh, why, that's their connection. Is this sort of like a, a, a jab at, at uh, the British monarchy by Harry and Meghan, um, while also enjoying the film and getting to hobnob with some people in Hollywood, which we know they do. So. Um, there's someone who was at the premiere last night, a, uh, another dignitary. Lisa Hanna is a member of parliament in Jamaica. Uh, and by the way, she has actually introduced legislation 
for to make Bob Marley a national hero. So I want to hear how that's going and to hear how the premiere went. Uh, joining us right now is Member of Parliament Lisa Hanna. Welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Lisa. Thanks. Hi, Charles. Hi, Harvey. How are you doing? We're good. Boy, <laughs> we are so excited to have you on. Um, Thank either, you. I, I guess let's let's start with Harry and Meghan. Do you know, were you surprised when yeah. they walked in? Did you know they were coming? Why were they there? I think not many people knew that they were coming. Um, they, we saw when they arrived, basically, because Kingston, the traffic stopped. <laughs> and um, But I think what happened is I think they're really close to Ziggy Marley. And I think perhaps that was what oh. it was. And perhaps. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, the prime minister was walking the red carpet a little before them, I, I saw. And I guess it just would have been courteous to, to take a picture beside him. In Jamaica, we would say, on a two mix up. I think Charles <laughs> understands that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We, we, we are guilty yeah. of that. We are guilty of right. that from time to time. No, but I think but Jamaicans were, were, were surprised to see them. And um, they made their de debut on the red carpet. And I, from all accounts, you know, they seem to have enjoyed the film. And all Jamaicans enjoyed the film. It was a very proud moment for us as Jamaicans to be at that premiere and to really see Bob's life um, on screen captured in such a profound and prolific and awesome way. Before we, I want to get to the film, obviously, but I, I want to just one thing, I see if there's any update on what is happening with Jamaica becoming an independent republic. Um, and I obviously that's we, that came to mind because seeing right. uh, Harry and Meghan next to Prime Minister Holness. Where we are now in the process is all of the, you know, the kind of town hall meetings are being held with Jamaicans to, to identify, to hear what their views are. And basically, there will be some kind of referendum. They're also trying to fast track it. And I think there is some controversy in terms of how the government plans to do it, because some Jamaicans want it done in a particular way. But from all indications, it will appear that we will become a republic sooner rather than later, if the government does what it says it's going to do. Excellent. How but was the movie? movie. Yes, how, how was Kingsley as Bob? The movie was excellent. Kingsley actually surprised us. It, what we would say in Jamaica, him sell off. He was good, his accent was down pat. He had Bob's rhythms and grooves and personality from what we, you know, we've seen in documentaries and how Bob has been portrayed. And he did well. He really, really did well. We have to, certainly I have to give him Thumbs up. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, thank you so much for yeah, being with us, Yeah, that was great, great having you on, Lisa. No, anytime. Call me anytime. All right. Well, apparently right. Charles likes to call me anytime. So. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, we had to get you on. We had to get you on. Oh, uh, thank, thank you so we much. It's my pleasure. Big up yourself. All right. One Big up yourself. All right, yes. cool. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Okay, um, this next thing, I did not see this coming. Oh, I'm, go see the movie. You should go see I'm, I know I'm you don't gonna, go see movies. No, no, but, but it's going to be on Apple, isn't it? Yeah, eventually. Well, that's kind of the way, that's <laughs> that's way I roll. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited about this next thing. Yes. I, I did not see this coming. Um, uh, who did? Jon Stewart making a return to The Daily Show. Yeah. You know that they have been seeking a, a new host ever since Trevor Noah left. They've been doing, you know, the whole thing where they have celebs come in and they guest host for a while. Well, Jon Stewart will be the new host of The Daily Show. The old host is back. But only one day a week. Only on Mondays. <laughs> but he is going to be the executive producer, too, of the show, or an, an executive producer in the show. 
And I got to say, he's doing it through the election cycle and into early 2025. Um, that makes sense that want, in an election year. We want his voice. He is so, I don't know, this guy is so smart and has such a broad view of all things democracy. I'm, I'm dying to hear what he thinks about everything. I, I'm really, really excited about this. Here's the challenge, the problem I think they've set themselves up for. If John doesn't want to eventually be the Monday through Thursday host, whoever they bring in now is going to have to go through everything that Trevor Noah went through. That's right. Where you're, everyone's like, well, it's not John Stewart, and unless John just stays, unless John stays, which I'm betting is what the folks at Comedy Central—they're crossing their fingers, <laughs> right? Well, I know One Tree Hill fans uh, are going to be really excited about the project we're about to talk about. Um, because it stars uh, some One Tree Hill favorites, Brian Greenberg, as well as Sophia Bush. It also stars Brian's wife, Jamie Chung, and this is a labor of love and pain for Brian because it's a very personal experience. He wrote, directed, and stars in the movie Junction, which comes out on Friday, and it is about his battle with opioid addiction and how it started and everything that he went through and you know getting uh, off of opioids uh, it is a crisis, obviously, that we've talked about for years. Um, and I, I personally have seen so many stories about this crisis, and it always fascinates me um, for a number of reasons. So really happy to have Brian Greenberg joining us right now to talk about his film, Junction. Brian, welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Brian. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I, I am so fascinated by this, because I was trying to think back um, where somebody wrote or start in a movie that really reflects their own life experience. Um, and this just sounds so powerful. Before we get into the movie, can you kind of briefly tell us about your personal you experience to... with opioids? Yeah, 100%. It'd be weird if I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just made the movie about it. No, um, you know, I was prescribed Oxycontin for, after a routine surgery, and I ended up getting a little bit hooked on them. I want to be very clear that I'm not an addict and I wasn't an addict. And uh, I, I, I view myself as an ally, but I did lose a few months on these pills and, and it angered me. And I really wanted to understand how a system was put in place to make addicts out of innocent people like myself. Um, fortunately, I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm here to uh, and I have a story to tell and, and, um, and that's what this movie is. But this was more inspired by that, um, and, but it, it's not like a, I didn't go through this uh, like some of my friends. I've lost friends and I know people, uh, so many people who have, who have not made it, unfortunately. But I wanted to tell the story because it's just it's such an, a vast array of characters. And so many people had to compromise their morals for this epidemic to be where we're at. And now it's it, we're in the fentanyl crisis. Uh, yeah. But this, this this takes place in 2017, like right when the government was really clamping down on all these pill mills and, and these drug companies. You know, there is efficacy to opioids, um, you know, when prescribed properly and limited properly, um, and it's clearly gone awry. So in the movie, um, this is why I love talking to you so much, that you've yeah. now figured out a way of telling a story. What's the end game of the story? What's the, what's the message that kind of cuts through all of it? Is it that opioids should not be prescribed? Is it the drug companies need to be monitored? I'm really interested to know. So there's a lot of morals to the story. Um, you know, 
as a filmmaker, what I really wanted to do was have these conversations because, you know, the crisis can feel overwhelming and almost too big to talk about because there's it, it's affected millions and millions and millions of people. And so it's like, how do we even start? I think you start by talking about it, by telling these kind of stories. But my goal as a filmmaker is to really show empathy towards in humanity towards addiction and stop looking at it like a crime. Like people who are addicts aren't criminals. It's a crime what happened to them. And so I really want to start by decriminalizing addiction and destigmatizing addiction. Um, this film is also funded, partially funded by the Sangar Foundation, which is a, a foundation dedicated to fighting the opioid epidemic and, you know, raising awareness, making Narcan more available. Right now there can be, there's, there's drug treatments, uh, you know, like, there's like a telehealth bill that's on Congress's desk right now that to help prescribe uh, telehealth to make it easier to, so you don't have to go in and see a doctor. You can do it over FaceTime to, to get uh, medication like Suboxone to get off of these drugs. It's just, everything needs to be like de-escalated so, and make the, and, and help, and we need to really start helping these people. Yeah. It's an important message that needs to needs to get out there. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for making this. And, and by the way, how was your, this was your, your first time directing, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been an actor a long time, so I really wanted to tell the story. And uh, I thought if I, I wrote it in three parts, like I played one role and, uh, and there were two other leads, Ashton Bedeque and Griffin Dunn, then I could just be in a third of the movie. I felt like I could handle that, um, even though I'm not the first actor to, to, whoa, 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 to whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Did you just say Griffin Dunn? Griffin Dunn. Yeah, Griffin Dunn. Oh my God. We are we are doing a documentary on Fox on Network next Monday night oh, yeah? on the death of his sister. And I actually interviewed Griffin for the documentary. Um, oh. And it's just, it's an astounding story of a miscarriage of justice. I can't believe yeah. you just said that. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. I worked with him on How to Make in America and um, I just thought he had the gravitas to play this role. He plays the CEO of a pharmaceutical company who ultimately is responsible for this crisis, sort of based on the Sackler family and Purdue Pharma, um, but a fictionalized version of that. He's a, he's fantastic in he's this amazing. role. He's amazing. He's a great, oh my God. He's in these kind of movies because he's, he's such a good guy, a nice guy in real life. He's kind of a, he's a, this is a dark character for Griffin and uh, he, he really brought it. He really brought it. Well, oh my God! I'm really I'm, looking forward to I'm seeing. I'm so it. glad I talked to you. That's yeah. awesome. Watch, this, this, watch this. Seriously, um, Brian, watch this documentary next Monday night on Fox. Um, check it out. It's it's astounding what happened to his sister yeah. in in Tragic. court. It's just Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, and your movie coming out on Friday uh, will be uh, in limited release in theaters, and then it will be available on Apple TV Plus uh, on demand. So uh, really, I'm looking forward to seeing this, uh, and I really Me appreciate too. it, Brian. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate talking with you. Thanks, right. Brian. Kanye West has had a very interesting week with the paparazzi. Uh, seems to be sort of embracing them, and for what purpose? Maybe just to put some shine on his wife. We showed you the interaction he had where he's directing paparazzi in the uh, parking lot when he and Bianca were walking through. Now he has actually invited paparazzi to come into a, a studio with him where he was doing some sort of shoot with Bianca. That furry figure you see off in the distance is Bianca. I don't know what if this is fashion or what, but 
He invited the paps in. <laughs> I have no idea what she's wearing, but I mean, this seems like a bigger plan that Kanye West has. He's, he clearly wants to use the paparazzi to his advantage. We've seen him get in fights with them over the years, but now he's taking a completely different approach where he's saying, hey, you're my buddy, come inside. I'll show you all, all the secret stuff that I'm doing. And then it might benefit him down the road because say maybe he's in a spot where he doesn't want the paparazzi taking photos with of him. Oh, you think he's trying to co-op? Exactly. He's hmm. laying the groundwork for a bigger a bigger plan, I think. You kind of know what's going on. It, it is so weird as I watch this. Um, we got a docu we, you know, we're, we're doing these documentaries Seems every Monday night on Fox Network at 9 p.m. Um, and a week from Monday, we're doing one on Kanye. And it's called Unhinged But Unstoppable. And I got to tell you, when you look at all the anti-Semitic stuff this guy said, you know, over years, the idea, I mean, the president of Harvard gets canceled for one comment, right. that's obtuse, and he is loving Hitler and doesn't. It is just, I, I've never seen anything like it. I have just not seen anything like it in this climate yeah. that Kanye West is just a different, uh, just different in kind. And, and can do this stuff and all the other stuff. Right. It, it's just bizarre to me. That, and, and that's part of the reason why I, I say, like, if he invites you into the studio, I'm not going. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not going, okay? Well, Zendaya had a big week at uh, Paris Fashion Week, and Tom Holland wasn't there with her, but he uh, wanted to sort of gush about the woman who he says is still his girlfriend, even though there were all these all rumors, rumors about them breaking media. up yeah, after yeah, yeah. she unfollowed him and everybody else. But he posted a bunch of photos of her at Paris Fashion Week, put the heart emojis at the bottom of one. He also reposted a photographer who posted some video. And interestingly, the lyrics is from the gym class hero's uh, song, Take a Look at My Girlfriend. She's the only one I got. We still haven't heard from her, but I, look, and Tom told us uh, on camera, he said, all those rumors, Not ridiculous, true. we are together. So there you have it. Maybe he's running her social media now through his social media. Hmm, well, he oh. should probably follow himself as his first order of business. It's very complicated. Nikki says we don't understand it, so we will take a, we will, uh, <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>